Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Very good morning to Craig Earlham. So the markets have come back. Just before we go through all the rest of it, um, uh, were people gradually thinking to themselves, now's the time to buy, or was the slight relief about the fact that central banks might step in? So, I mean, it's it's very much the latter, but I think the former does also play a role in this. So, for some context, it seems that central banks are now considering some form of coordinated response in order to try and cope with the coronavirus outbreak. What can they do? What 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 can the central banks actually do? Honestly, nothing really. Mm. Um, it, it, so it's. I say nothing, that's probably a bit a bit much. They can cut interest rates and some of them have more space than others in which to do so. That will alleviate some of the pressures, encourage borrowing perhaps later in the year, maybe trying to offset some of the slowdown in growth now with some uh, extended growth later. Uh, they can... But I, I think... If you remember after the Brexit vote, Mark Carney came out and the Bank of England cut interest rates and they announced more corporate bond purchases, it didn't actually change matters much. But what it did is it sent a signal to the markets that the central bank wasn't going to stand by and, uh, and watch the economy burn, uh, as it were, uh, that they were always going to provide support. And the message that sent eased the markets and we saw a nice little rebound in the markets because they got the sense that they were being protected and I think that's probably the greatest impact that coordinated central bank action has it's this feeling that someone has the back uh, and therefore there's no need to panic and you, as we know and we've seen so many times over the years, panic uh, is almost the worst thing for the markets and for companies as well. Because once people start selling and settling aggressively, that just encourages more selling, even if the fundamentals yeah. don't justify it. We saw uh, it last week. And, and uh, Yeah, we did. And, and also, um, I hate to say this, but I always think there's a lack of wise heads about this, aren't there? I mean, there are, there are, there are generations now who've never seen a financial crash. And, uh, I mean, there's a, there'll be a new generation of people at the trading desk who never went through 2008, for example. Never yeah. mind you know 1987 and all that well absolutely i mean i myself was in university in 2008 so i mean they, I, I'm, I'm case in point um but yeah we we, we have to remember that the, the, the panic does just make matters much worse and uh, it, it can become very self-fulfilling and i think that's one of the reasons why the central banks want to be seen to be taking action to stop the panic settling they don't mind people weighing up the fundamentals of what's going on and adjusting their positions accordingly but that's not necessarily what we saw over the course of the last week which is why we're seeing uh, this action because obviously once people start selling and selling aggressively what we actually start to see is we see people trying to square positions off square the portfolios off so you start seeing selling in, in, in assets and instruments that mm. they weren't previously selling mm. in you start mm. seeing margin calls and that starts to affect instruments uh, you start seeing say HFT th- uh, kicking in and that starts uh, exaggerating the selling and it just makes matters much 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 worse so I think this central bank action isn't more isn't so much an economic one but it is very much more a, a strong signal to the market and then there's the other thing that you said as well is how much of it is people just buying in well the markets fell more than 10% so people and this is a, almost like a kind of misconception that people can have people don't either go all in with their money into the markets or pull all out they tend to dabble in bits and bobs so it wouldn't surprise me if it come the weekend you saw people going do you know we've seen 12% sell off in the, in the US we've seen 10% sell off in the UK 11% sell off in the UK yeah. maybe I'll just put a little bit of money in and see if the markets do bounce back because this is now trading at a heavy discount and if it continues to sell off more maybe I'll throw a bit more money in and there's so there may have been an element of that, just the kind of psychological impact of being more than 10% down in a week, this idea that, well, actually, we could see a nice bounce back here and there's money to be made. Royal Bank of Australia did something overnight, didn't they? Yeah, so the, this is the RBA, uh, the, cent- the, the, the Central Bank in Australia. They cut interest rates by 25 basis points. Again, 
how much of this is uh, signalling the markets and how much of it is actually effective. It's worth noting that it is their fourth interest rate cut in a year, so it's kind of extending what an already easing cycle uh, that we are seeing there. But they did explicitly mention, it seems, the, the coronavirus and the impact on that and the need to support the economy uh, throughout that. Mm. They've already forecast that the uh, growth is going to be reduced by 0.2%. 0.2% in the first quarter is a result of a slowdown in tourism, etc., and the, the impact that it's having on uh, domestic spending and the domestic economy. So they're the first major central bank outside of China in a, uh, that, that's actually eased policy. A few other central banks have actually um, uh, have pulled back from doing so, South Korea being the, probably the most notable right. last week. But we've got another central bank decision from the Bank of Canada this week as well. They're not expected to ease monetary policy at this stage, but, I mean, like I say, that, a, lot, a lot could change, I think, over the next few days. Are you at all interested in this big Super Tuesday that's happening in the in America as far as the election is concerned? Yeah, I mean, it should be interesting, obviously watching from afar, but um, it, it is very interesting, obviously, the, um, that we've seen Bernie Sanders take such a resounding lead uh, in, in the opening caucuses and that uh, that's, um, Joe Biden has, has done so badly. Obviously, in the most recent event, uh, he did very well. Uh, but and we've already had obviously uh, one person uh, uh, pull out here, Buttigieg. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I've got that pronunciation slightly wrong. Uh, but the, just as well he's pulled out then. Yeah, exactly. It makes my life easier going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden is a lot easier to pronounce. Um, uh, and obviously, uh, there's going to be a lot of focus as well on Michael Bloomberg. Uh, but then it's it's interesting that obviously because he is effectively backing himself and he has plenty of uh, capital uh, with which to do so. He said even if he doesn't finish in the top three tonight, he won't be pulling out the race, which is, which is extremely rare because ultimately with many of these candidates, if they don't finish in the top three tonight, then their funding will very, very quickly dry up uh, and they won't have much choice but to pull out. So it is going to be a really interesting evening uh, uh, and it tends to be this that really defines the, the entire race. So... We'll, we'll wait and see. I'm sure Donald Trump will be watching keenly. Uh, it's it's always difficult to know exactly uh, who he, it is that he fears. You can imagine there'd be some very fiery debates uh, if, if he's facing up against Bernie Sanders, but I'm sure Donald Trump, being a, a staunch capitalist, would love nothing more than to go up against a staunch socialist. Um, uh, Michael Bloomberg did not uh, endear himself to the public on the debating stage previously, so maybe Donald Trump would quite enjoy debating him, but he is also uh, a person who has the funds in which to take him on uh, more publicly on the media campaign uh, and also uh, has a record in business that can compete with Donald Trump uh, with, with with regards to voters. So, yeah, it should be, I think it should be incredibly interesting. Obviously, I mean, I'm just ignoring there Joe Biden, who obviously said uh, as vice president with uh, Barack Obama, who uh, up until probably about three or four months ago was one of the favourites to win so yeah the, uh, and, and again I'm, I'm still missing people off Elizabeth Warren etc so mm. there's, there's, it should, I think it should be a really really interesting evening to be honest uh, and, and a change as far as the um, the US economy is concerned. I mean, I, I'm guessing that's just on its on its own course, isn't it? At the moment, we're maybe thinking about a couple of interest rate cuts, but nobody's really sure. To be honest, so the US economy is. It's not firing on all cylinders. It did slow down a little bit last year. Obviously, we had the interest rate cut in... The, not the interest rate cut, the income tax, uh, and the corporate tax cut in 2018, which really boosted the economy. Uh, well, probably the back end of 2017 going into 2018. 2019 was uh, was a little bit slower, growing around 2.5%. Uh, 
uh, and we're expecting more of the same this year. This was obviously pre-coronavirus outbreak. Now, the impact so far has been minimal. We've only had an, uh, a few cases. We've had, I think, two fatalities at this point in the US. So it's not really spread rapidly over that side of the uh, <coughs> pond at this stage. So the economic impact so far has been minimal. But then you look at the CDC's warnings and the Federal Reserve's warnings, and they seem a lot more... Um, convinced that this is going to get much worse before it gets better now the markets when you're saying why earlier on why the markets bounce back so strongly is it because of central banks well it's staggering the change we've seen from a central bank perspective in the u.s they sent the the markets are now fully pricing in at least a 50 basis point rate cut so 0.5 percent mm. and almost entirely pricing in a 75 percent basis base point cut uh, so 0.75% at the next meeting in two weeks' time. That's a huge reversal. We've not seen more than a 25 basis point move since, really, the, the aftermath of the financial crisis. So f- to be factoring in such, a, such an incredibly aggressive move uh, on the back of the coronavirus, which hasn't really properly spread to the US, is effectively what is really supporting the markets right now. And now the Federal Reserve is backed into a corner. They've got a choice. Do you obey or do you disappoint and send the markets back into freefall? G7 ministers are going to talk at lunchtime today about uh, the virus and what they can do. I think we probably covered most of it. I mean, it said, you know, you, you, you can't really afford to be on the back. No, that's that's wrong. You can't be seen to be on the back foot. This is the this is the situation, isn't it? We're basically in uncharted territory with some with gradu- gradually rising political noise. Is that sort of how you see it? Well, I think this is the area that has a greater potential to positively impact both the economy and the markets. Central banks have kind of had their say and there's probably going to be more to come uh, as they follow through on on what they've said. But as we've discussed before, the actual lift to the economy isn't going to come from monetary stimulus. It's going to be come from targeted fiscal stimulus. It's going to come from support for small and medium-sized firms whose funding um, may be uh, drying up, who um, who may be suffering short-term pain for something that's not relatable to business, but purely just to, 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 the, to the knock-on effects of the coronavirus. These are decent companies that do need to support, be supported through this rather than just allowed to die, allowed to, like, to, to pass, as it were. So... Mm. This is, I think this is a really important meeting and the fact that it's a coordinated uh, response uh, I think again does send a strong signal. There is a suggestion and indication that uh, the, the central central banks of the seven uh, countries as well could, uh, the central bank minister, uh, leaders could be part of this meeting as well. So it kind of reminds you again to take to heart back to earlier in the show, kind of reminds you of the financial crisis and the, what we saw there with these kind of coordinated uh, meetings uh, yeah. coordinated responses See, clearly they are taking this extremely seriously so again another thing that another really interesting thing that could come from today that could be really supportive potentially for the markets we should note the passing of jack welsh the ex-ceo of ge he turned that company around he redefined what management was about interesting isn't it that a he said i'm going to oh one should appoint lieutenants who are smarter than you are well that's that's a good trick the second thing is of course that g really has struggled hasn't it since he left um, at 9-11 yeah, the um, the the company obviously grew enormously under him. He was extremely ruthless uh, in his leadership. There, there was a, apparently he used to let the bottom ten percent performers of the workforce go 
each and every year in order to keep the company nimble in order to to reward <coughs> those who were doing well at the company and not carry uh, people who he thought were undeserving um, which again is a very interesting tactic it doesn't make give you ma- enormous job security working for his firm but it obviously worked uh, and that he was, I think he was named businessman of the century or something mm. uh, at one point after this as well for for just how uh, just how much he grew uh, GE into a behemoth and it's obviously in the aftermath of the global financial financial crisis the financing division uh, suffered quite considerably and it kind of led to the start of almost the demise of the company they've been selling parts of the businesses yeah. and they've dramatically shrunk uh, clearly he was an extremely successful uh, businessman but uh, again it's it, it, there are obviously, obviously other things as well which people have to factor in sure uh, and finally let's note uh, what's going on at Barclays at the moment um, not the whys and the wherefores and the who's saying what to whom about this but we have a, a disruptive uh, large shareholder Ed, Edward Bramson um, saying that Jess Staley the CEO should get the sack and all that stuff the rights and wrongs we won't we won't do that because there's there's, there's a huge amount surrounding this but let's just mark it shall we as, a, as, as, the, as the influence that a disruptive shareholder can actually have on a large company the banking sector in particular I would suggest with its you know staggering on since 2008 and so on low interest rates is actually ripe for disruption then again we saw at the end of last week didn't we metro banks struggling nobody wants to it seems buy a bit of that it's a very difficult sector at the moment yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, this 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 case obviously is is almost very different from anything else, given why why it is that he doesn't want Jess Daly to be re-elected uh, as, uh, as as CEO. But yeah, the banking sector it it is prime for disruption, and there are plenty of companies out there disrupt being a disruptive influence. Yeah, Revolut, Mondo's, etc. Of this world are, are a case in point of that. Metro was looking down another route, but it, uh, accounting errors um, have really. Um, uh, almost brought down the company in many ways. It's uh, and caused a massive disruption with its within the within its own firm. And the danger that you have is because obviously many of these uh, uh, many of these businesses are making multi multi billions of pounds. The difficulty with this is is seeing a company grow that's not being not being tempted to almost be a, be just be a takeover target of many of these major institutions and actually provide a real challenge. And I think there is the, the there is scope for that. But the problem again that we have is that a lot of these firms, these challenger firms, are still so much smaller than. Uh, than especially the yeah. big Wall Street banks and even many of the major European banks, that you wonder how much of a, a real impact that they can actually have and whether any of these major banks out there are any less too big to fail than they were back in 2008. Indeed. Greg, thanks very much indeed. The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Yeah.